Happy Easter to everyone who's watching from your living room or for, from wherever you are. So why don't you take a moment right now to follow the children's example and to comment on whatever feed you're watching, whether on YouTube or whether on Facebook, and just tell us what Easter means to you. Why do you celebrate Easter? Take a moment right now and encourage one another with those comments as we look at Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. You know, everyone needs a mentor. Even a pastor needs a mentor. We all need someone in our life who is a little bit ahead of us, a little bit older, pulling us up. Everyone needs a mentor. And so I have been privileged and blessed to have many of those in my life. And I have one in particular who doesn't go to our church, so he's a really safe person to talk to. And... Uh, he recently called me, and he's like, Chuck, let's get together. So he came over to my house. It was a beautiful day, and we just walked together. And it's, it was so good because he just listens. He's a sounding board, and he asked me about my life. And so as we walked together, I began to pour out the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just laid it all out there. I talked about the good things, because there's so many good things. The fact that we had our first grandchild, Ezra. The fact that my daughter was just married a few weeks ago, even after her wedding was postponed and then canceled and then put back on the, on the calendar again. Now, they didn't break up. They wasn't canceled because of that. It was because of the coronavirus. In fact, um, we had to have her wedding at the very last minute. We changed the date from Saturday to Friday, and so that was a tremendous blessing. I talked to him about Reach Church and our people and the love and the support that me and my family have felt over many years, but specifically recently. So I poured out a lot of really good things for about a quarter mile. We walked for another two miles. And from there on out, I just poured out my soul I poured out my heart. I talked about all kinds of different things, difficult things. Not the good things, but the bad things, the ugly things. 
And I finally stopped talking, literally after maybe two miles. I thought, you know, I really want to know what he has to say because he's the mentor and perhaps he has some wisdom to pour into this. And so I stopped and I looked at him and I said, what do you think? He looked at me and he said, let's stop for a minute. And he said this, he said, Chuck, every morning that you wake up, every morning that I wake up, we have a decision to make. We can either go through life like this or we can go through life like this. And he said, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm hearing a struggle between this and this. I'm hearing a lot of this. And I knew exactly what he meant. He didn't need to explain himself. And I bet if you're watching, you know exactly what he meant as well. Going through life, closed-fisted, going through your day like this, lots of grit, you know, it's like those old wrist curls we used to do. We try to get your veins to pop out. Remember, we try to outdo each other in the gym. That whole thing, well, that was the good kind of working out. The good kind of stress, this is the bad kind. Control, anxiety, making sure everybody understands where you're coming from. Closed-fisted or open-handed. Surrendered. Submitted, doing the right things, but trusting God with the outcome. Praise. Are you going through life, your day, like this or like this? If you were to go on a walk with a mentor, with a trusted mentor as I had, if you were to go on a walk with, with someone like that, and you were to pour out your heart right now, the good, the bad, the ugly, what kind of walk would it be? Because that walk for me was a walk to remember. That walk for me was a walk where I realized some things about myself. You know, as I thought about this sermon and prepared for it all week long, you may have already caught it, but the title that kept coming back to me was a walk to remember. And I was very hesitant to use it because there's a cheesy love story movie of the same name. So somebody just in the house said it was really, really good. It got 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it, definitely <laughs> it definitely wasn't the notebook, friends. It was, uh, it was a neat love story. I mean, he named a star after her. You guys saw that part. And <laughs> She got her miracle, Landon, and her miracle was you. Those of you who have seen A Walk to Remember, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That walk with my mentor was a walk to remember, and not in the cheesy kind of way, but in a very deep way. It was soul-searching. It was complete. It gave me a very accurate picture of where I was and what I was struggling with, what about you? If you were to take that walk and you were to pour out where you're at right now, where your soul's at right now, the things you're struggling with right now, the things that keep you up at night, the blessings, the curses, all of it, if you were to pour it out, 
what would it look like? Would it look like this? Sound like this? Or would it look like this? This was a walk to remember. And there was many walks to remember throughout the scriptures. Two of the disciples, not two of the famous 12 disciples, but probably a husband and a wife. They're walking along what was called the Emmaus Road. They were going on a walk. This was days after Jesus, their master, their king, had been butchered on a cross. So we already read from Luke 24, but I want to pick it up at verse 13, because this was definitely a walk to remember, a walk for the ages. Verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they're on this walk. Jesus comes to them, but they don't recognize him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem us from Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, now it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they didn't find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. These two disciples were tight-fisted. They were going on this walk to remember, and they were closed-handed. They were being told by people they loved, people they respected, people who had borne witness to Jesus. They had been told that he was risen from the dead. And yet they were like this. They were tight-fisted. They were closed-handed. Look again at what the main cause of their closed-handedness was in verse 21. We hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. Jesus, even though they had said in the verses before that Jesus was powerful in word and in deed before God and before man, because he didn't fit their idea of what a Messiah should look like, because he didn't fit their political agenda to redeem Israel. They were going to be closed-handed about Jesus. They weren't going to easily open their hands. That is some of you watching right now. You have a family member. You have a friend. 
You have a spouse. You have a neighbor. You have a friend on social media. Maybe you're sitting with someone right now and you're watching with them right now and you are this way about Jesus. One thing after another, one miracle after another, one reason to believe Jesus and who he said he was after another, but you're still like this. Many times when you look at the way Christians act, I really can't blame you from being like this. But that doesn't change what you can see around you. That doesn't change what you can see around you when you look at creation. When you look at creation and you know that there's a designer, that there has to be something greater than us. When you look at the galaxies, the moon, the stars, the trees, the seasons, love, the periodic table, the overtone series of music, pregnancy, laughter, you know there has to be a God deep in your heart. You know it. Paul says that we all know it deep in our hearts, but we suppress it. We suppress the truth. Knowing there's a creator is pretty easy. Knowing that there's a creator God is, is, is easy. Just look around and we see it. We can go ahead and open up our hands to that. We could say, yeah, there has to be something outside of us, you know, a being, something, some sort of thing, a man upstairs, whatever it is. We can, we can kind of get there with that. Most people can get there. But Jesus presents some serious challenges. Who was he? What is this all about? Because you can read about this man named Jesus, about the way he turned the world upside down, and you can see that his words were perfect. Every single word recorded in the scriptures, in the gospels. This is perfection in his words. You can look at his disciples these guys who didn't get it, these guys who the, the night Jesus is betrayed and arrested, they're sitting at the table at the first communion arguing over who the greatest of them is going to be. These guys didn't get it. Totally tight-fisted. Peter had just denied Jesus three times. They didn't get it, but they saw something. They saw Jesus and their palms, their hands opened up. As a result, they boldly went and preached the gospel. These guys who had gone back to their lives on Holy Saturday. These guys who had come from all different places, all different walks. They came from different persuasions. They had different motivations for following the Messiah. Some of them would have been political enemies. And they would preach to all who they could get their hands on, all who were within listing shot. Everything changed. The world changed because of them. All of them, all of the disciples, except for one, died horrible deaths. And they would have been dying not just for something they believe in that would have been a lie if it wasn't true, but something they would have known to be a lie. They would have known that it was a lie, if they were preaching a lie. And yet they died martyrs' deaths. One of them, according to tradition, he actually was crucified 
and he preached from the cross for several days at everyone who would walk by with his last breaths from the cross about Jesus. Why? Because he saw him. He beheld him. He beheld his glory. All of these guys had families. All of these guys had lives. But yet they gave their lives for Jesus. And they would have done so if it wasn't true, knowing it was a lie. That doesn't happen. And so you hear this and your family shares Jesus with you. And yet you are still like this about Jesus. Even now, open your hands up today. Surrender. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are watching or listening or when you're watching or listening or how far you think you are from God. Open up your hands to Jesus. Open your hands. So these two disciples are on this walk to remember with Jesus. And so far, they are still tight-fisted about Jesus because he didn't fit their narrow expectations of what Jesus should be. So they've complained to Jesus. They don't even know it's Jesus. And they're, they're this way, kind of like I was on that walk. And then we have Jesus' response in verse 25. Let's see what he says. And Jesus tiptoed around them in his flowing white robe. Now, that's not what it says. And Jesus stopped to pat some children on the head. No, not that either. And Jesus took the lamb off of his shoulders and put it on the ground so the people could walk by and see his pet lamb. No. And Jesus said to the disciples, I understand your side of the story. I get it. I should have managed your expectations a little bit better. I should have been clear. No. Verse 25, Jesus' response, and he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe and all that the prophets have spoken. I can follow that guy. The other one, the stereotypical one that I just described, not so much. But if you're going to reject Jesus, make sure you reject the actual real Jesus and not some weird creation of him that many Christians have passed on to us. Because the real Jesus was a lightning rod. The real Jesus got angry. The real Jesus turned tables over in the temple with a whip. The real Jesus called the religious leaders of the day, men who were respected every name in the book. The real Jesus was no respecter of persons or elders or chief priests or political people. The real Jesus debunked weird religious traditions of men and he thumbed his nose at their silly rules. The real Jesus ate with sinners and outcasts. The real Jesus lived a life of religious and civil disobedience to the false thinking and systems of the day. That was the real Jesus, not this other version of Jesus that we have in our minds. It was a walk to remember for these disciples because they poured it out and they encountered the real 
Jesus. I pray that that happens for you today. Verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory, Jesus said. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I love verse 27. Jesus showed them himself on every page of the Bible from the Old Testament, from all the way back through the prophets, Jesus on every page. I can take a lot of different beliefs when it comes to different faith traditions in the Christian faith, you know, different preferences, different beliefs, things that other churches or other people or Christians find important. But when Jesus is no longer the center, when Jesus is not in the forefront, when it's anything but Jesus, I think we've left the reservation. Paul said, I want to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Jesus made it a walk to remember because he opened up the scriptures. These closed-fisted disciples, he opened them up. What about you? What about you? Are your hands opening up? To Jesus. Verse 28, they still didn't notice Jesus speaking to them. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with him. This is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it. And broke it and gave it to them. Like, remind you of anything? And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? Not only did their tight fists Loosen and their hands begin to open up in surrender and release and worship, but their hearts burned within them. What about you? If you were to walk with a mentor and you were to pour out the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is going on in your life, the coronavirus, your response to that, your job, your family, your health, your beliefs, whatever it may be, your struggles, and you were to pour it all out, where would Jesus fit in? And that is not only a question for those who do not yet believe in Jesus, but those who claim to believe. Where would Jesus fit in? Would he fit in at all? Would he be on your lips at all? What would your walk to remember reveal? Verse 33, and they rose that same hour returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. I mean, can you imagine that? And he's appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. You know, the Emmaus Road walk, this, this story we're recounting, 
was not just a walk to remember, but it was a walk for the ages. Screaming to us, screaming to you today. It's your heart burning within you. Because there was another walk to remember, another walk for the ages that Jesus walked. It was a walk where he carried the cross on his back. It wasn't a two-mile walk. It was about a half-mile walk from Pilate to the cross to Calvary. It's not very far, but it's far when you've been beaten. It's far when you've been spat upon. It's far when you've been lied about. It's far when you've been abandoned. It's far when you've been whipped and butchered. It's very far when you're carrying a cross and you're being made fun of and you're being ridiculed, and you're carrying the load, the weight of all of the sin, and you're almost dead. It's very far when all of that's going on. It was a walk to remember that Jesus took for us. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands. Tight fists there. See my hands. See my feet. It's my I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Aren't you thankful that Jesus was open-handed for us? Are you this? Closed-handed. Or are you this? You know, you can start off the day like this. You can start off the day like this. You can start off a conversation this way. You can be in a relationship that starts this way and then it can quickly move to this. It's a decision you make all through the day. It's not just one decision that you make. Are you closed-handed, tight-fisted? Are you imprisoned or are you open-handed, free and surrendered to the Lord through Christ. You can be a Christian and you can be like this. You can be this way. I was on that walk and my mentor called me out, said, I'm hearing a lot of this in you right now. And I knew it. In Galatians 5, Paul talks about this idea versus this idea. And he says that this is the flesh. This and the way that we are tight and the way that we are in control and the way that we are uh, not surrendered when we're acting this way, we're acting out of what he calls the flesh. And he said that what happens is predictable, he says in Galatians 5. He said that when, when you're this way in conversations and relationships and the way you see the world in, uh, at home, in your selfishness, whatever it may be, when you're this way, when you're in the flesh, it's going to be gossip, it's going to be dissension, it's going to be fits of rage, it's going to be uh, rivalries, it's going to be the really, really big sins, you know, like jealousy and envy and things like that. So these are the sins that this leads to. And he said, when you're operating out of the Spirit, out of the Holy Spirit of Christ, and you're open-handed, it's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, 
self-control. Walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit, this, instead of in the flesh, which is this. You know, I've come to the place in my life, and I pray this continues, that I can actually feel it physically in my body, in a conversation I'm having. I can feel a change in my body when I'm doing this and when I'm doing this. When I'm operating out of the flesh, I can feel it. I can feel it in the pit of my stomach. I can feel the anxiety, the inner lawyer springing into action and wanting to speak and defend and prosecute. I can actually physically feel it when I'm operating and speaking and thinking out of the flesh and I'm doing this. And I can feel the freedom and I can feel Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when I'm doing this. What about you? I mean, do you even know the difference? Are you even aware of it? Have you become numb to it? Or are you operating out of the Holy Spirit of Christ? What good, bad and ugly would come out of you on your walk to remember? You know, uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times after his resurrection. And one of them was Thomas, who gets a really bad rap. I mean, this guy gets a bad rap. He's doubting Thomas. And he certainly was this way. He said, unless I put my hand in the nail print and in the nails in the feet, that print, unless I put my hand in his side, I ain't going to believe anything any of you guys are saying. I need to see him. So Jesus appears to him and he says, go ahead, Thomas. And he does it. And we have one of the clearest declarations of the deity of Christ in all of scripture. When Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus said some beautiful words to him. And then he said some beautiful words to us after. He said, because you have believed, you are blessed. But blessed are those who have not seen but have believed. What would your walk to remember reveal about you? And whether or not you are operating out of the flesh, tight-fisted, or out of the spirit that gives us life because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The disciples, these two, they went on their walk to remember. So did Mary. In John 21, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb empty while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Mary's walk to remember wasn't with a mentor but it was still a walk to remember. It was, I love that phrase, while it was still dark. I love that because that's when God does some of his most magnificent work. And that's where some of you are right now. Your walk right now is while it is still dark. Jesus is still at work. There's a run to remember in John 20 in the next verse. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple 
and they were going toward the tomb, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. John and Peter didn't go on a walk to remember. They went on a a run to remember, to the empty tomb. Some of us need to not walk to the tomb, but we need to run to the tomb every single day, every single conversation, every single time we're like this, we need to not walk, but run to the tomb. Run to see which one of us can get there first. Maybe in the next conversation we're in, when we're both doing this and you're commiserating, maybe we could outrun each other to the tomb instead. Verse six, then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed, for yet they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. John stood and pondered. Peter went straight in, saw and believed, went from this to this. Some of you need to ponder this afternoon. Jesus. Matthew 28, 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. These Roman guards who were there at the resurrection, they went on a walk to remember as well into the chief priests, into the city, and their hearts were hardened with every single step they took. Can you imagine that? And that's some of us too. Mark 16, one through three, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Sloan brought some spices so that they were, might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the, t- the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Who's gonna roll it away? That could be some of you right now. How is my life even going to work? Who is going to roll away this stone that's in front of me right now? I can't even see inside the tomb. Someone needs to roll away that stone, but they knew someone would roll it away. They asked the question, they went in faith. The women waited on the Lord. That is some of you right now wondering who is gonna roll away that stone from the tomb? And those of you who know Jesus, you need to be the one to go roll away that stone from the tomb and share Jesus with them. Verse three in Mark 16, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Matthew 28, eight, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. We get the fear part right on our walks to remember, but we lose the great 
joy. I love that. I love it. Maybe you're afraid right now. You have good reason to be. This life is very scary, but where's the great joy? With not only fear, but with great joy, still acknowledging the world and the fears, but with great joy. Matthew 28, 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Here we have the end of the gospel, the end of the story of the resurrection. And here are these disciples, these guys who would be martyred, who would give it all up. Here they are running together on mission as one to tell the world. You know, there's another walk that I'm looking forward to. And it's not a walk to remember, it's a walk to anticipate with great joy, with great hope. It's a walk that I long to have, a walk that will be the mother of all walks, the walk where there'll be no more of this, only this, where we won't be anxious, a walk that won't be cynical, a walk that won't rehash bitter stories, not a walk in the counsel of the wicked, not a walk with the scoffers, not a walk that switches between this and this, not a walk about the coronavirus, not a walk about cancer and about wayward children. It's a walk without conflict, a walk without strained relationships, a walk not in the dark, but in the night, a walk that is no longer by faith, but by sight, a walk that isn't filled with mission because the mission's complete. It's only filled with worship. A walk not with tight fists, not even open hands, but raised out hands. Because Philippians 3 says that our citizenship, literally our conversation is in heaven. It's with Jesus in heaven. There's another walk that's gonna happen, not a walk to remember, but a walk to anticipate an eternal walk when we get to heaven and are with Jesus and like Jesus. I cannot wait for that walk because we can have a taste of that walk now with one foot here, one foot in heaven. What about you? What would your walk look like today? What would that walk look like today with a safe mentor where you're pouring it all out? Would it be this or would it be like this? My prayer is that more and more for myself, for our church, for all who are listening, that it would become more and more a walk that is more similar to that one that we're anticipating, that walk in heaven, because that's where our citizenship is, that's where our conversation is, that's where our mind is to be focused on, our eyes and our hearts are to be set on it, that it would resemble this in our walks today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for Easter Sunday. I thank you that he has never left us, never forsaken us. Lord, I pray for all who are listening right now. I pray that the words that I've said that are true will sink in deep into the depths of our souls and we will be changed as a result. I pray that it would change the kinds of walks that we have 
here on this earth, that they would resemble more and more and more that walk that we will have when we walk with Jesus, when we stand before him face to face in heaven and we walk with him on that day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.